This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome to the Bonfire Podcast with Andrew Herzog here talking in your ear and or through your speakers, wherever you may be. Thank you for tuning in because I'm about to get started here. Let's talk Hillary Clinton, Republicans, Democrats, policy, United States government, and Barack Obama. Mm, Yeah, you know what? You know what? Heck with it. To heck with it. Why don't we talk about something else here? That sounds good. Yes. We're going to talk about something more important here. Who is more entitled? Baby boomers or millennials? Okay. That is... That's an attention grabber right there. This article. Opinion piece in Forbes that I found online. Liz Ryan is a contributor. And somebody decided to write to her, Hey, I'm having problems with some of my employees. I have Generation X, and I have Baby Boomers, and I have Millennials. I have the whole shebang. Everybody in between. And I'm finding out that my Baby Boomers and my Millennials are kind of bitching too much. They feel very entitled. Liz, how do you feel about it? Yours, Jeffrey. Okay. Jeffrey. If that is your real name, because it's spelled G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. Jeffrey, Liz has an answer for you. She says, let me get this straight. You've read that baby boomers and millennials are entitled, and therefore you figured it must be true, and now you want me to tell you which group is the most entitled of all? Here's my first piece of advice for you, Jeffrey. Don't believe everything you read. Kind of ironic, because I'm sure that applies to this article that she is responding with as well. No. I I, I like her article. This is a good response here. She says, there is no such thing as an entitled generation. You can't really paint that broad. Uh, there's no brush that big. You just can't do that. People are just far too different. Everyone's unique. It's just ridiculous. So what you have to do is deal with things on a case-by-case basis. Deal with the people, the individuals, not the generation. Otherwise, I could just say Generation X and Baby Boomers, the ones that are not me, the ones that are older. I can just say, you're old farts. And you don't understand me, so get out of my face. I could say that, but that's not true. There are plenty of elders, (laughs) plenty of older people that do understand me, who understand people my age. Okay? That's called being an individual. Individuals make up the generations of people. You can't really group everybody into something that broad. You know, it's one thing to say you're a certain race or religion, But a generation, that includes all races, all religions, all parts of the world. An entire generation. Way too big. So she says, and this is what caught my attention. Really made me think. I want to see what you think. She says, if anybody's entitled, it's the leaders who believe that they are entitled to committed, passionate work from their employees without reciprocation in the form of recognition, visibility into the future, 
or competitive wages and benefits. When I look at the working world, that's the only kind of entitlement I see. Okay. She's saying, Jeffrey, the entitlement mentality that I see in the workplace is not what you're talking about. I see it coming from management saying, excuse me, Bob, you're entitled to get your ass in here at 8 a.m. And you're not leaving until I tell you to. And if you don't like it, you're stuck up. It's an extreme example, but that's what she's getting at. She's saying, let's flip the script here. I think it's the management, people in charge that are feeling entitled. You know, now's a time to stop talking about entitled employees and making all these broad generalizations. And she says, as a manager, it's especially important to see each person on your team as an individual. She's saying, from what I can tell, slow down, Jeffrey. And managers, slow down as well. Let's all cooperate to understand one another. So what may work for one manager absolutely won't necessarily work for another one. So hey, you do what's best in your company, with your employees, in your work environment. If you're an employee, in today's age, I think you should have the ability to approach management. You know, not HR, but your boss. And be on such a level with your boss that you can say, hey, I I got something I want to talk to you about. How can I improve in this company? What can I do? Or if you're feeling really ballsy and you just say, hey, I demand a raise. Liz here explains, look, that is where the manager is supposed to say, okay, look, let's sit down and go over the ways that you can accomplish getting a raise. She's saying, look, no one is entitled to good jobs with perks unless they're actually qualified and they're meeting those standards. People are entitled to a good job if they're good at their job. You know, that's um, it's, it's, it's you earning that promotion. If you're just kind of bumming around, you're being pretty average, you're, no, you're not entitled to being promoted. You're average. People who do extremely well, people who are excellent are the ones who get promoted. That's the way it works. Okay? Equalization, not equalization. Um, and it's not equality. Equity. There it is. That's what I'm trying to think of. Equity is giving to each what he deserves, what he worked for. Okay? Equality is to say, we all get the same thing. No, that's ridiculous. If Joe works harder than John, Joe should be the one that gets the promotion, not John. Okay? If Joe works harder than John, John shouldn't be on the same level as Joe. Joe should now be a level above him because he was doing better. Okay? Equity. People are entitled to good jobs with perks if they're doing a great job. But that's where those communications have to take place. And, you know, negotiate. You could say, sir, I think I've done great work this year. Here's my argument. Okay? You don't demand... You don't slap them upside the head and say, hey, I deserve this. You owe me or I quit. That's just being difficult. You're not helping anybody. But if you're confident, then I think your boss, your manager would say, okay, excellent point. I respect you. Thank you for respecting me. Let's continue talking. The other point that uh, Jeffrey was mentioning was saying, oh, these employees that think they're entitled to time off. Okay, Jeffrey, come on. It's the 21st century. Nobody's working the fields anymore with hatchets and crap, you know, manual tools. We are lucky enough 
and blessed enough that we have great technology to be able to handle numerous tasks that humanity for thousands of years had difficulty doing. Okay? You, how do I say this? You're entitled to time off. Okay, okay. You're entitled to time off if you work hard, okay? There's no need to slave people for 80 hours a week, 120. That's your choice if you want to keep plugging that hard. That's up to you. But the boss of a company, the leader, shouldn't require anybody to do, you know, the typically accepted 40 hours a week, in my, in my opinion. If you want to go more, go for it. Have fun. But in today's modern world, there's no need to go hardcore 24-7, okay? Division of labor and technology makes it so that we don't have to do that. If someone on your team is not doing a good job, that's a topic for conversation later that they are not entitled to time off. That's what Liz says. You know, it's true. If they're not doing a good job, you'd say, look, Bob, (laughs) your performance has been hmm, lackluster. So before we approve this time off, explain yourself or explain to me how if we let you go on this you know next week that you're requesting off if we let you go on that what are you going to do when you come back to jump right back into it and become an excellent employee rather than the average one that you are it's called negotiation that's what you do and that's all that liz is saying both sides need to cooperate and then entitlement to move up jeffrey seems to think that Baby boomers and millennials feel entitled to move up. Like, excuse me, I've been here. I deserve to climb the corporate ladder. She says the same thing. Look, if there's someone who's not performing well in their job, that is a different conversation. Okay? If someone is doing well in their job, then you certainly deserve to be looked at for consideration in moving up. Okay? Seems to me in this article on Forbes, Liz Ryan is saying we need to have more communication between management and the employees. And then, oh my gosh, everybody gets along. What do you know? It's being human beings. We're not machines. You don't just input the data and hit the enter button and then the machine does the job. That's not what people do. People, you should know. Take five-minute breaks every hour, you know. You have to mentally kind of check out for a few minutes and then you can jump right back into it, get the work done. It has to be fluid. I don't know how else to explain it. I really don't. We're human beings, not machines. So, managers, lighten up, and employees, buckle down. That's a pretty good one. (laughs) Managers, lighten up! Employees, buckle down. And then all of a sudden you realize you're in the middle, and you can negotiate, and people are happy. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Now, from the New York Post, another opinion piece concerning millennials. Man, they love that word, don't they? Why Millennials Are the Anxious Generation. Now, this article by Carol Markowitz. Can't even say it. Carol. Let's just say Carol. Carol here on the New York Post is saying, 70 years ago, the greatest generation was the baby... Well, no. Baby boomers? No. Baby boomers are the result of the greatest generation. Excuse me. It was the greatest generation. Then it was the baby boomers. Generation, Generation X. Millennials... And now, if you really want to talk about it, Generation Z. But let's really not talk about that. It's not about them. It's about millennials. That's what we're talking about today. Apparently, we are the anxious generation. She says, okay. 
A lot of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying that millennials are entitled. So let's kind of dive into this and figure out why. She is suggesting that because we have helicopter parents kind of watching every single thing we did and awarding us for tying our shoes and giving us trophies for it. And then, of course, whenever we tripped and fell, they wrapped us up in bandages and doused us with alcohol to say, oh, my God, I hope you're okay. Don't don't die. Calm down. Children need to be on the playground and they need to fall down. They learn that it hurts. They learn not to do it again. And it's called growing up. When you make mistakes, move on and say, yep, I screwed up. Don't baby them. Let them fall. Let them fail. And don't let them die. Don't let them have some tragic failure. But let them have little failures and say, okay, learn from this. Grow up. Okay? Life ain't fair. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Because <laughs> life is not. The sooner you get your mind around that, the sooner you can say, okay, I will take what I can get, be happy for it, and if crap happens, I'll shrug it off. I'm going to keep going because I'm not expecting life to be perfect. She says, uh, Carol here, why are millennials considered so anxious? She says, this probably comes from the freedom of movement that millennials have now that perhaps other generations haven't. You know, the ease to be able to just pick up and move somewhere and say, now I live here. If you move away from your friends and family, of course it's going to be a little bit more difficult. You know, having limited family in close proximity can lead to anxiety and depression, the studies say, according to this article. I would say that's true. I've been, I was born in Dallas, born and raised, and I'm still here. I'm still here because my family is here. Lifelong friends that I've had since middle school are still here. And the college that I went to, University of Dallas, is here in Dallas. And I've made great friends there. Essentially, they came to me. They came to my hometown. And some have left. But some are kind of finding their way back, saying, okay, Dallas is a great place. I think I'll come back. I say welcome. Love to have you. I want more friends and family around me because here's why. When the crap happens, you rely on them. That's what friends and family are for. You love and care for one another like that. So that when someone falls down, they're there to help you and say, let us help you get you back up. Then you can be back on your own as an independent person. Good for you. We're here to support you in every way imaginable. So yeah, of course, if you move away from that solid foundation probably going to get a little bit more anxious, maybe even depressed. I think that makes total sense. And another uh, quick, what is it here? Uh, She's saying the abundance of choices is stressing young people out. Okay. Paradoxically, paradoxically, our stress befalls the generation with the most optionality yet. This blessing could also be our curse. According to Carol Beaton in Psychology Today. I think that makes sense. We are so... Yeah, that's squandered, crushed, and choked by the number of choices in our lives between food, you know, the fast food, and grocery stores, which is great, plenty of food, fantastic, but still a lot of choice, number of cars that you can pick, places that you can live, friends that you can have, schools that you can go to, movies that you can watch, games you can play, books you can read, people you can spend your time with or not. That is a lot of choices. And I will tell you, (laughs) sounding like Trump here. Uh, Let me tell you this. I will say this. 
Um, if there are too many choices, I do do that, actually. If I feel like there's too much going on, I get overly stimulated. I'm just I'm going to back away from it and say, okay, I can't handle this. It's mentally too taxing. So why would I put myself through that? If people approach me with 10 options for Friday night, I say, okay, stop right there. Don't care. Stop. Don't give me that many options. Maybe that's just my personality. Don't know. I will quickly eliminate most of those so that I'm left with a choice between one or the other and say, all right, it's one of these. All right, this one done. I like to get things done. Uh, Choices are good. But I don't want an infinite amount of choices that's overwhelming. So, for the millennials to be the anxious generation because of the ease it is to be able to get up and move and move away from your friends and family, which could lead to anxiety and depression, and then the overabundance of choices, things that you can do with your time and you just feel you're being stretched in too many different directions and you don't know what to do with yourself and then you freak out and then you're sitting at home alone and you say, oh, what am I doing with my life? That sounds about right. So yeah, Um, I encourage everyone my age to learn to say no more often. If somebody says, hey, you want to go out and get drunk? (laughs) No. Uh, Okay. Um, You want to watch a movie tonight then? Stay home and, you know, take it easy? Oh yeah, I think so. I could do that. Okay, you want to go get drunk tomorrow? No, you're not getting the picture here, buddy. Learn to say no more often. You know, everyone's time is valuable. No one's time is more valuable than another. So learn how to time management. Learn how to balance yourself between your friends, your family, your work, and your personal time. I need my personal time. I like to be alone so I can just digest my day and think, okay, here's how these things went. Let me think about what I'm going to do tomorrow for two minutes, and then, okay, I can relax. I'm going to go read a book. i got to read. I have to do, um, sorry, repeated myself, I have to go eat, do laundry, chores, whatever, and then go to bed. Don't underestimate sleep either. All right, this was a long-ass block, but what did it have to do with? It had to do with people my age, between being entitled, according to some people, or being anxious, according to some people. Bits of truth in both, but the important thing is basing each person as a person, you know? Don't try to group everybody together. You know, that's, that's good for general reasons, saying like, oh, I'm a Texan. Okay, well, other than that, we're all still pretty different. Okay, so judge each person as an individual, and maybe we can start making some progress, getting things done. Now, in the next block, the importance of having those friends and family around you, and just how beautiful it can be with food. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. Last summer on the Bonfire website, bonfirethoughts.com, I wrote an article called The Bacon and Coffee Tradition. Now, it's a beautiful piece of work. Here's why. 
All I said was there's nothing like Sunday brunch with friends and family. Absolutely true. Nothing like breaking bread with loved ones. Hell, even strangers. There's something about eating food together that brings people together. So, if you come together once a week, at least to enjoy food, a basic human need, if you come together once a week to do that, I argue that you can forge some great friendships and bonds with people. You can go exploring, try different kinds of foods, see the different cultures that are out there, all kinds of food out there. It's great. I can't stress enough the basic human need that food is. I'm not suggesting, hey, let's uh, get a group together once a week and play video games. Not everybody likes to do that. Let's get a group together every week. Go play golf. Not everybody likes to do that. Okay? But I guarantee you, every single human being needs to eat. Some people eat more than others, but that's a different topic. Fat people versus skinny people. That's neither here nor there. I just felt like saying that. So the bacon and coffee tradition. Why you should do it with friends and family. Eat. You know, we all live such busy lives. There's no shortage of things to do. Like I said, previous block, sometimes there's too many choices before you. Learn to say no more often. Say no to the time wasters. Say no to some of the personal things like, oh, I just want to go do this and I just want to go do that. Okay, okay, you can have a little bit of time to yourself, but don't forget the other people in your life. Share yourself. Share your time. So if you're going to share your time, shoot, do it on a Sunday. It's still the weekend. Before the work week comes right back up, before the school week starts back up, go get some food. Brunch, lunch, dinner, a snack, doesn't matter. Find an excuse to get a group of people together and go break bread. The fact is life is busy and it only gets more hectic as the years go by. So choosing to put the busy life aside for a bit and enjoying the company of your friends and family means a lot. What does that tell you? When people choose to see you, they choose to spend one, two, three hours going to a restaurant, going to your house, cooking, cleaning, eating, wherever. There's time out of their day. We all know the phrase, time is money. Okay, sure. During the work week, maybe, for some people. My time is not money. My time is my time. You can always make more money, but you can't make more time. If you said, Andrew, do you want a million dollars? Would you rather live longer? You know, not forever, but live longer. I'd say, okay. I think I'd rather live longer. I'd like to be able to experience more in this world. See more in this world. And spend more time with people in this world. That's why. A million dollars? Shoot, I could spend that by myself, but probably be pretty lonely. Okay? There's only so much you can do with a million dollars. If you're if you're selfish. <laughs> if you're generous, there's a lot you can do with that. Back to the point here, because I'm going on another stupid rant. You need to break bread with your friends and family. Make time for it. Make an effort. That shows them that you love them. Okay? It's easy to say no and say, I don't have time. I, I'm going to go eat, but I'm going to do it in 10 minutes and then move on to my job. Move on to this. I have chores. I have work to do. Sorry, I can't see you. We all know that. So if you say, okay, I'll see you at noon, that's going to make the person think, ooh, cool, I like this, I get to spend time with this person. 
They're, they're taking time out of their life, their limited life, and spending some of it with me. If you ask me, it doesn't get any more selfless than that. Choosing to eat with other people. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Fox Sexton. There will always be another reason, another rationale for terrorist mass murder. Because they have bought into a cult. They believe that they are part of a religious tradition that has an absolute obligation to wipe out all other belief systems and force people to submit. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Daily Mail here has an interesting article. And it actually came from the How It Works magazine. How It Works magazine has rounded up some of the most confusing daily conundrums to explain the world around us. One of them, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror, but then looking at a picture and you think to yourself, whoa, what's going on here? Apparently, we're so used to seeing our mirror image that a photograph can look really strange. Yeah, I would say that's about right. I look in the mirror when I wake up in the morning, brush my teeth, wash my face, and I say, okay, there I am. I don't say that out loud, but you get the picture. Then, of course, when I take a photo, or someone takes a photo of me, and then I look at it, I'm always like, hmm, something looks, something looks a bit off. I'm not sure what it is, but something doesn't seem right. Well, that makes sense, because the mirror is not actually us. No, neither is the picture, but the mirror is a reflection. And so the photograph is what it would look like if someone was actually looking at you. So in real life, we never actually get to see ourselves, our own faces. All we ever see are the mirrors and the photographs. I just thought that was interesting to say, oh, you know what? That is kind of kind of true, at least in my experience. I look at the phone, I think, oh, this doesn't look right. Is that me? How is that me? That doesn't make sense. Oh, and the five-second rule, is that real? Apparently, to test the idea, researchers at the Aston University in the UK dropped toast, pasta, biscuits, and sweets onto a variety of different floor surfaces, well, that was a waste, and tested them for the presence of common bacteria at time points between 3 and 30 seconds. They discovered that bacteria do transfer before the magic five seconds is up, but generally the food is still edible. So, five-second rule. I had a teacher who thought the five-second rule was pick it up, hold it for five seconds, and then you can eat it. <laughs> nope, nope, that's not how it works. That's not what it's supposed to uh, imply. The five-second rule is if it's been on the floor for longer than five seconds, don't touch it. Here in this uh, study, though, they're saying uh, bacteria transferred to it before the five seconds was up. So you know what? To each his own. If you want to pick up something off the floor and eat it, that's your business. So go ahead. Five-second rule, not so much real. And then, do I really sound like that? It's a good point here, because sometimes I will listen to the playback here and think, that doesn't sound like me. This is weird. And it's the same when you watch yourself on video or listen to yourself in any other respect. Everybody goes, hmm, it's not how I normally sound. And, you know, I read about this before, and it kind of makes sense. The sound of our own voice makes us seem like we're strangers. When we hear someone else speaking... The sound travels through the air as vibrations, hitting the eardrum and causing it to vibrate. This moves the fluid in the inner ear, which pushes against hairs and sends signals to the brain. When we speak, the sound reaches our ears in a different way. 
Not only are we picking up the vibrations in the air, we're also detecting vibrations inside our own head. As we make the sounds with our own vocal cords and tongue, the soft tissues in our head and neck vibrate. And so too do the bones in our face. These additional vibrations make our voice seem lower. Much, much lower. Now, um, I walk around my daily day, my daily day, and I think I have a relatively deep voice. But then I've watched that playback, and I think, okay, let's turn this off. That is not me. Uh, That's just how I feel. And another one right here. Let's see. Is it worth hitting the snooze button? I don't know. I set my alarm. It goes off. Sometimes I think, let me just sleep for 30 more minutes, and then I'll get up. I swear, half the time it works. That extra half hour is exactly what I needed. And at, you know, 5.30 a.m., I'm like, boom, all right, good to go. I can get out of this bed now. But obviously, sleep cycles, light sleep, deep sleep, REM sleep. It says, the cycle of sleep starts every 90 minutes. And as the night goes on, light sleep turns into dreaming. It might feel good to put the alarm on snooze, but at the point the cycle has already been broken and the light bursts of sleep feel unsatisfactory and make getting up harder. That sounds about right, also, for about half the time. You know, you start dozing off, 10 to 20 minutes of light sleep, apparently. Then you sleep, slip into a longer period of deeper sleep, which is where the REM is, and that's where you get some really, you know, good rest for your body. What it needs is the deep sleep. So if the alarm wakes you up, Okay, you're you're awake, or at least half awake if you just kind of drowsily hit the snooze button. So now you're kind of falling back asleep, and then if it goes off in 10 minutes, you're screwed. 20 minutes, you're screwed. 30, you're still you're still pretty screwed. So yeah, don't do it. Maybe just set the alarm for later and get up once. I know people who have multiple alarms to get them out of bed, but you know science, science tells us to just set it once and then get up. Easier said than done. And a funny one here. Why do songs get stuck on our head and how do we banish them? You know what? I'm not going to get into that because I like having songs stuck in my head. Makes for a more entertaining day sometimes. I'll be sitting there and I think, what the hell is that in my head for? Where did that come from? I haven't listened to that in years. Sometimes it's like, oh, I was listening to that five minutes ago. Makes sense. So you know what? Daily Mail and How It Works magazine... I don't care how songs get stuck in our heads, and I don't want to know how to banish them. I see what you're telling me right here, but I'm not going to tell the audience, because I'm looking out for them. I am looking out for you. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. Chris Salcedo. Sanctuary cities in this country who are in open defiance of immigration law, and nobody cracks down on them. So Mr. Obama's priority is to not protect you and me. His priority is to prosecute, and I can't even believe I'm saying this, to prosecute Border Patrol agents if they don't go along with his lawless activity. Chris Salcedo, Saturdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Nice little way to end bonfire podcast for this week's episode i'm very happy to announce that bonfire this past week has officially turned one years old yes yes thank you thank you you're too kind you're too kind take it easy take it easy all right shut up yes the bonfire podcast and sort of the bonfire mission has 
now reached the one-year mark. Starting on March 22nd, 2015, I and a good friend of mine started the Facebook page and decided to say, hey, let's take a stab in the dark and do a podcast. Let's see how it goes. Let's see if we can't learn how to do this properly. Oh, man. Let me tell you, the first episode was pretty trashy. The, the audio quality, I mean, the topics were fine, but shoot, we were just such amateurs, and the quality was lackluster, to say the least. But it's funny to look back and see that and go, ooh, <laughs> okay, we've come a long way. And uh, I do hope one day to have my buddy on the show here once again, Chris. Good old Chris Davis. He and I used to tag team this bad boy, but then he started getting married. You know, who knows why? No, I'm just kidding. He decided to get married, try to move forward in life, get a career, take himself to the dizzying new heights. So I respect that. He said, you know what? I got to take I got to take a little break. I need to uh, take care of some of this business first and then find out where the hell I'm going to live once I get married. So, you know, he's he's tackling those bigger life issues. And so I'm going to keep on doing the bonfire podcast but it's been over for a year now march of 2015 and over that time bonfire has grown the facebook page i think successfully it's a decent decent number now almost 6000 likes i'll take that that's good thank you thank you and the bonfire website bonfirethoughts.com i got a handful of writers and i thank each and every one of them for submitting their articles you know and putting themselves out there, saying, we want to we wanna brush up on our writing. You know, we want to teach ourselves this skill. We enjoy doing it. And we want to, you know, kind of make a name for ourselves. We want to get this, this, these words out there and see how people react to them. See what they think. And, you know, foster cultural entertainment talk. There's enough politics in the world. Plenty of other places for you to go to read that kind of crap. Okay? For, for Bonfire... Let's talk about something else. So I thank each and every one of them for doing that. And of course, the Bonfire Podcast here on the Blaze Radio Network, which was a monumental success. Thanks to Dom for picking it up and giving us the chance to do this. And it's been a lot of fun. And it's still fun. And we got a long ways to go. But I like work. Work is good. You need stuff to do. And I plan to keep on growing the audience and having fun with it, talking about the important things. And... You know, bringing others along. If you're someone who likes to do a podcast, then, you know, pursue that. Grab yourself a mic and just jump into it. See if you have a friend that can help you out with it and say, hey, let's shoot the breeze and put it in the computer and then throw it online. Let's see what kind of feedback we get from friends and family. Let's see how we can hone our skills. If you're a writer, I I suggest you send it to Bonfire Thoughts. Send us your stuff. Highly encourage it. If you don't send it to us, send it to someone else. Do something. You know, division of division of labor. Everybody has something to do. If you're someone who likes to act, start with um, you know, your college, high school. Do theater. Hone those skills. If you're someone who likes to do camera work, work in the production department, get a job in production. Mm, you know, there's plenty of things to do. So bonfire encourages all of that. Find your purpose, tackle it, have fun with it, and work hard, play hard. Andrew Herzog, out! This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.